Hey Lakeway friends and family, Pastor Mike here, bringing you a little remote transformation this morning. Hope I find you all safe and well. As you can tell, I'm not there. My wife and I began a family tradition a few years ago of taking one weekend a year and, and going down to Galveston with some of the grandkids. And this happens to be the weekend, but that does not stop the process of transformation. And this week we're going to be looking at being transformed in our physical health. You know, we began the campaign a couple of weeks ago looking at our spiritual health, and as you'll see this morning, that our spiritual, our physical, and our emotional health are all tied together. Now, if you're a guest, you might be wondering what exactly it is that we're doing. Well, we're in this program of 50 days of transformation, and each message each week builds on the one the week before, but we've put it together in such a way that each message is also a standalone, so you're not going to miss out on anything. Uh, but if you do want to hear some of the previous messages, go to our website, lakewayonline.org, and you can download or you can listen online. Now, if you are here and you've got your journal, there is on page 32 a place for Sunday sermon notes to go with this week's study. But I'm going to recommend that you just put those aside this morning and get the sermon outline that you should have received when you came in. You're going to need that for your notes this morning. Now, if you didn't get a copy of the sermon outline, raise your hand and we'll get one to you right now. Okay, okay. there's one down here at the front on the right. Lynn, down on the right here. Uh, one over there, uh, two at the back, two at the back there, Lynn. I love this camera system that we've got set up here. Anybody else, raise your hand if you need a sermon outline. Now this morning, we're going to talk about going from stressed to blessed. Come on, come on, it's green already, let's go. Oh my gosh, people are just so slow in the morning sometimes. Going from stress to blessed. You know, we live in a complex, high-intensity, high-speed, in, high stressed world, don't we? Most people, they, they seem to be juggling one more ball than, than they can handle. And whether it's money worries or health, relational concerns, career instability, uh, whatever it might be, or just simply the uncertainties of life, it, it just it, it's stressful. And even when everything is okay, there doesn't seem to be enough time to get everything done. To say that we're stressed is a monumental understatement, isn't it? Come on, Dobrain, we're out of the school zone now. Speed up a little bit. Wanna be here all day? <laughs> you know, we live in the richest culture in human existence. And, and the world is as small as it's ever been. I mean, we've got people thousands of miles away watching this service in, in other countries. The world really is our oyster, and yet at the same time, we see the ravages of a broken society screaming at us from every corner. Get out of my way, pal. Moving over. Opioid addiction is increasing at an alarming rate. The suicide rate continues to increase. Gender identity, I mean, talk about confusion or... We see mass shootings on a regular basis. You know, our children face stresses like we could not have imagined. They practice shooter drills in school. I mean, my, my, two of my grandchildren were in school just recently, and the armed intruder alert went off. Can you imagine having an armed intruder alert? But the thing went off, 
by accident. But once it goes off, there's no way of shutting off the system. It's built into the system. So they didn't know whether it was a, a drill, an error, or for real. And they had to believe it was for real. So the teachers and the kids were all hunkered down and hiding, listening for shots and screams and all the noises that you would hear that go with an armed intruder event. Now, how does that affect them? Teachers and students alike. If that alarm ever goes off again, they don't know whether to believe it or not, and it's always on the back of their mind. I mean, that causes stress. To say that we live in a stress culture is an absolute understatement, isn't it? <clears throat> Look, guy, I have been following you for five minutes. The speed limit is 45, not 44. 45, can you not get a move on? You know what I need? I need one of those those ballerina angels to come along and sprinkle some peace dust on me or something. Ah, oh, that is better. Thank you, angel of peace, for sprinkling your peace upon me. You know, stress in and of itself, it, it, it's not a bad thing. Stress is the body's way of reacting to a threat. You know, when in danger or under stress, either from a perceived threat or a real threat, there are certain physiological responses that take place in the body. We go into what is called fight or flight mode. Adrenaline surges, blood's diverted from the brain and the other major organs to the muscles, your blood pressure rises, your pulse quickens, to, all of that to pump that blood from the brain and the organs to the muscles. You actually get dumber and stronger under stress. That's why it's not good to make decisions under stress. It probably explains road rage. And the reason that blood is redirected is to strengthen us so that we can either fight the threat or run from the threat. Now, the problem is chronic stress. Chronic stress is when you continually live in fight or flight mode to some degree. And I think we've all experienced this. You know, the brain is whirring away. You've got all of these things going through your, your brain, threats and, and fears that are bouncing around you. You can't shut it off. Am I, I going to lose my job? There's no way I can meet the expectations they put on me. Is my marriage going to fail? My kids, I'm worried about my kids. are hanging out with a bad crowd. What's going to happen to them? Am I going to live my life alone? How am I going to pay the bills? Do I have enough money for retirement? Is it cancer? Am I going to die? Who's going to look after my kids if I'm not here? What's going to happen to me? And you can't shut it off. It's going round and round. And the body remains in this constant fight or flight mode, chronic stress. Now, chronic stress, if left unchecked, can damage the heart, it can damage the brain, it can damage your body in general. In fact, chronic stress can kill you. Stress is a physical an emotional reality. It affects our physical health, it affects our emotional health. But to help combat chronic stress, we need a spiritual solution. These things are all tied together. Proverbs 12.25 says, worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. So this morning we're going to go to the word of encouragement, the Bible, to one of the best-known passages in the Bible. Everybody knows this passage of Scripture, Christians and non-Christians alike. It is Psalm 23. And we're going to look at seven spiritual habits that reduce stress. And trust me, if you do these things, you will reduce stress in your life. Now, there's just six verses in this passage, seven habits. 
So spiritual habit number one, you need your outline here. I look to God to meet all my needs. The first verse of Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Most of us know it from the old King James, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, what does that mean? It means that I don't seek to meet my needs my way. I trust God to meet my needs his way. In other words, I don't deviate from God's way in order to meet my needs, whether they be emotional, physical, financial, whatever. I don't deviate from God's way. Romans 8, 32 says, since he did not spare even his own son for us, but gave him up for us all, won't he also surely give us everything else? And what that's saying is that if God gave us his son, if we are trusting him with our very eternity, if, with our life, surely we can trust him with our time. Surely we can trust him with our money. Surely we can trust him with our marriage and our job and our children. If we're going to trust God for our very soul, why wouldn't we trust him for everything? Now, the practical application on this one is don't compromise. Don't compromise your integrity and don't compromise your Christian values. So let's make this practical. Okay, imagine you're in a work situation. You might not need to imagine for this. And, and they're asking you to do something that you know is morally wrong or it compromises your Christian values. Don't do it. Don't compromise. Even if everyone else, even if it's not illegal, you know, there are a lot of legal things that companies are allowed to do, but you know morally and ethically it is wrong. Don't do it. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, what if I lose my job? Well, that's a very valid concern. But here's the question that you need to ask yourself. Do you want to work in an environment which causes you to compromise on your values, on your Christian faith? That job will cause you stress. This is where we've got to trust God. God, I don't know what to do. I need this job. I need this money. I don't want to compromise. So start looking for another job and trust that God will guide you. Trust that he will meet your needs or he will make a change in that situation. But we've got to choose to trust God and do it God's way and not the world's way. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's another one, relationally. God says, don't be unequally yoked. Well, that's a tough one, right? I mean, you, you get this situation, and I've seen this over and over, and it's usually this way around. A girl's been dating a guy, and he's really nice, but he's not a believer. And, you know, you talk about it, and she says, well, he doesn't mind if I go to church. And he said, you know, that, that if we get married and we have kids, I can take them to church too. He won't get in the way of my faith. I guarantee you 100% that that relationship will cause you more grief and more stress than you bargained for. And you know why I know this? Because I've seen it over and over and over. If you want to relieve stress from your life, look to God to meet your needs his way, not your way. Don't look to other people to meet your needs. They're going to let you down, and that will be a bigger stressor. Here's the deal. We're either going to live God's way or we're not. We're either going to trust him to meet our needs or we're not. You want to go from stress to bless? First, I look to God to meet all my needs. Second, I obey God's instruction about rest. The scripture carries on. It says, he makes me lie down. I just want to pause right there. He makes me lie down. 
He makes me rest. He makes me stop, even if I'm too busy to stop. Now, this links right back to the first one. I'm going to trust God to meet all of my needs. So God created us in his image, and he set the example for us. Right in Genesis, it says six days, God created everything. And on the seventh day, he rested. And he commands us to do the same. Exodus 34, 20, 21. I love this verse because most of us know the first part. Uh, but when I read this this week, I, I, I had not noticed the last part. I love it. It says, you have six days each week for your ordinary work. But on the seventh day, you must stop working. Even during the seasons of plowing and harvest. I love that last bit because it cuts to the core. Even during the busy time. Even when the boss says, we got to get this out. This is the busy time. Even when you can earn that so much extra money by, by working that extra day. Even when the fruit is hanging low and you could make so much more money. It's right there. I just got to reach out and grab it. God commands us. He says, set a day apart for rest every week. He put it in the top 10 of all commandments, for goodness sake. Stop and rest every week. You know, so much of the stress in our life comes from always being in a hurry and working too much. And, and then we're tired, and that's when you get overworked because you can never get caught up. You're tired and you're stressed all the time. You're going from this to this to this to this. Rest is so important that God himself does it, so you need to do it. Now, the third one links right back to that one, and it's my absolute favorite. If I want to move from stressed to blessed, first, I look to God to meet my needs. Second, I obey God's instruction about rest. Third, I need to recharge my soul with beauty. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. I love this. For some reason, being in nature for me, I just feel a connection with God. This is where it all just kind of, ah, oh, yes, thank you, God. It's like when I come into the park, I leave the stress and the strain at the gate. Now, admittedly, when I, when I leave, I pick it up again. But for a little while, the body gets a break. And the body needs a break. When I'm here, you know, here's the thing. It can't just be the external. you got to focus your mind. Philippians 4.8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You know, you, you, you don't want to find a beautiful place to stop and then spend your time fighting with someone and stressing in your mind. You know, play some relaxing music, maybe some inspirational music, read something uplifting. Sometimes I just like to listen to nature. Sometimes I literally, I just sit and I don't do anything. I don't pray, I don't read, I don't listen. I just sit and I just, God, I just need to shut off for a minute. You know, beauty is an incredibly important part of stress management. Ugliness stresses us out. Beauty inspires, it encourages, and it motivates. That's why God made the world so beautiful. Sometimes I look around and I'm just amazed at how many different shades of green there are. 
You know, God made man to live in a garden. He put Adam in a garden, not a skyscraper. And when you're stressed, you need to look at beautiful scenes and listen to beautiful sounds. The fourth spiritual habit to take me from stressed to blessed, I gotta go to God for guidance. It says he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. You know, there, there are so many verses that echo this sentiment. One of my favorites is Psalm 37, 23. It says, if the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. He directs, he guides. James 1, 5 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. And he won't rebuke you for asking. He's not gonna say, well, you're not good enough. Look at what you were doing yesterday. No, you're not on the wisdom list. He says, ask and he will give it to you. Do you ever struggle with making a decision? Not being able to make up your mind is a common source of stress. So if you're wandering or, or, or wavering back and forth about a decision right now, pray and ask God for wisdom. Read your Bible and then wait, be quiet and listen. And at the right time, maybe not immediately, God will put the idea in your mind. He might speak to you through someone else. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been sat out here at the lake needing God's direction and guidance, and he always comes through. Sometimes it's not what I want to hear, and I have to change my mind about something. I remember one time I was going through a particular struggle. There was something going on at work, and I was just frustrated, and I was angry, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And, and I really felt God tell me to just stop. He said, don't do anything and wait. And that went on for weeks. And I was frustrated even in the waiting. But in about three weeks, God sorted that situation out in such a way that I could not have imagined. But I had to wait on him. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change how you think. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now we get to a couple of really tough ones. So I wanna go from stressed to blessed. Number one, I look to God to meet all my needs. Number two, I obey God's instructions about rest. Number three, I recharge my soul with beauty. Number four, I go to God for guidance. Number five, I trust God in the dark valleys. This is a hard one. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, life is filled with all different kinds of experience. There are mountaintop experiences, like, yeah. Then there's the vast plains of reality, just the humdrum of every day. And there are dark valleys. There is good, and there is evil. There are moments of extreme joy and love and there are times of excruciating pain. And one thing that I've learned is that God is in all of those moments. When we're on the mountaintop, jumping for joy, his hand's on us. He, he's keeping us safe so that we don't tumble over in our exuberance. When we're on the vast plains of life and it's just pretty humdrum, he strengthens us for the future. He strengthens us. He points us to, to the hope of the future. And when we're in the valley of darkness, we need not fear, for he is with us. 
You know, for the first seven years of our marriage, Sandra and I struggled with infertility. And after many tests, procedures, and all kinds of unpleasantries, we were told, it's not going to work for you two. So you can imagine our joy on June the 6th, 1987, when we brought our newly adopted son home from the hospital. Actually, we took him from the hospital to the park, and then from the park home. And Sandra's mom was over from England. It was, it was just perfect. I remember the joy of taking the car seat out of the car and walking with the car seat and the baby into the house. We named him James Michael John. James is my father-in-law's name, Michael is my name, and John is my dad's name. And he brought us so much pleasure. But let me tell you something that very few people might realize. Becky Went is probably sitting here right now, and she's here because of James. David and Christy Edmondson are here because of James. Louis and Nancy Lopez, Louis is usually working back there on the, on the video, they attend because of James. You see, way back in the year 2000, when we first came to Texas, we moved to the east side of town, but God led us to attend church on the west side of town at Lakeway, and we knew that God had led us here. But consequently, our kids attended school on the east side, and pretty much all the kids that attended Lakeway were on the west side. So they weren't friends with our church kids outside of church. And we were worried about some of the friends that James was making at school, and we prayed about that. And then one day, James invited one of his school friends to come to church with him. Jimmy went. Jimmy is Becky's son. So Becky came to church with him. And Becky st struck up a friendship with my wife, Sandra. And through Becky, I struck up a friendship with her husband, Kit. Now, Kit was a rough, tough kind of guy, wrestler, a biker. And even though I was a church guy, worked in an office, we got along well. I liked him. He liked me. We still like each other. And Kit came to church for a bit, but he was never really a church kind of guy. Still praying for him. To make a long story short, some years later, the motorcycle club that Kit was a part of, the Six Skulls, decided they wanted to do something good for the community. They wanted to do a toy run at Christmas time, but they had no way of distributing the toys. So they called me. And every year from then, we've been doing a toy run with the Six Skulls. Louis and Nancy are here because of that toy run. The Edmistons are here because of that toy run. Becky is here because of, of James. And maybe some others are here because of that interaction. You never know how God is going to work. You know, James died a little over three years ago. And I remember going to pick up his ashes. And the same God that was there when we carried that car seat into the house was the same God that was there when we carried that urn into the house. And he is the same God that comforts and calms and protects in the valley. And he's the same God that is the one who is with us on the mountaintop. If you want to go from stress to blessed, trust God in the dark valleys. Number six, if I want to reduce my stress, I must let God be my defender. Scripture says in Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's like he's lording it over them. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now, David was a warrior. He was a soldier. And yet, he trusted the Lord to be his defender. Psalm 18, verses 1 and 2. This is David. He says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. 
The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. David wasn't relying on himself. David was relying on God to protect him and help him in his conflict. You know, conflict is a major source of stress. And here's a reality. Some people in your life just don't like you. They will criticize you. They will attack you. And our natural response is to attack back. Instead, God tells us to trust him and let him defend us. That's what Jesus did. That's what we need to do. Jesus said, love your enemies. Paul in the book of Romans instructs us. He says, bless those who persecute you. This is a difficult one. It requires much wisdom. Jesus turned the other cheek and he instructs us to also. But Jesus also called out bad behavior. So there's this balance. So we need wisdom. Sometimes you just got to let it go. Like, I, like God told me to stop that time and trust him to sort it out for you. And sometimes you need to call it out and trust that God will sort it out for you. But before you do anything, take it to prayer seek wise counsel and check out God's word and wait on God. Last one. If I want to go from stressed to blessed, number one, I need to look to God to meet all my needs. Number two, I obey God's instruction about rest. Number three, I recharge my soul with beauty. Number four, I go to God for guidance. Number five, I trust God in the dark valleys. Number six, I let God be my defender. And number seven, I expect God to finish what he starts in me. Look how David closes out this beautiful song. He says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love David's attitude here. Surely, obviously, your goodness and your love will be with me all the way through the rest of my life. You're not going to let me know. Go now, God. You're going to continue on and finish what you started in me, guiding me, caring for me, blessing me in this life and forever. Now, I don't know what's on your mind, what's going on in your life, what stress, fear, or anxiety, or burden you might be carrying. I don't know what kind of person you are. Maybe you're one of those People who, who just fear for the future, you know, a what-if person. What if I lose my job? What if I get sick? What if everything goes wrong? What if someone walks out on me? What if, what if, what if? There's a million what-ifs, isn't there? Well, you can do that, or you can do what David did. Trust God to finish what he started. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I mean, those, those are the two options. Fear and anxiety, or I'm going to trust in the Lord. And here's the thing. Even if everything goes wrong in this life, I still get to go to heaven. He's got something better for me. Whoa. Wow, I guess that angel must have sprinkled some more of that peace dust on me. Hey. I want to close out the service here with one last passage of Scripture, and it's right in your, your outline there. It's Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, and it's a wonderful piece of Scripture. And Jesus is talking about the very subject matter 
that we're talking about today, from going from stressed to blessed. And he says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So let me just explain what a yoke is for those that may not understand. A yoke was a, a collar, a double collar, big piece of wood, two collars, and uh, it would be used to, to tie oxen together. You'd put one in, and then you'd put the other in. And the purpose was that they would be tied together so that they could share the load together. They could share the work together. They would share the burden. It would be halved because there are two of them doing it. And what he's saying is, I've got this collar. I have a yoke and there's a place for you and you can be yoked with me and I will help carry your burden. And look at the promises. I will give you rest. I will teach you. You will find rest for your souls. And here are the last two blanks on your outline. It says, when I am yoked with Christ, we move together in the same direction and the same direction pace. You see, when you're yoked with Christ, there's no more spinning your wheels, no more going off the deep end, no more running yourself ragged, because he will teach you. He will instruct you. He will show you how to pace yourself, how to stop, how to take a rest, how to stay the course. And he will keep you going in the right direction. He will direct your path. But it says that, come to me. And we have to choose to be yoked with Jesus. We have to say, you know what, Jesus? I'm done with trying it my way. I want to go your way. I want to be yoked to you. I want to be paired with you. Because with you, I can learn how to manage this miserable life, this stressed life, this tough life. And I can let you manage it for me. You direct me. But you've got to come to him. You've got to say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you change me? I want to go your way, Jesus. And that can simply be your prayer. Because me too, God. That's exactly what I want. And then right at the end here, there are two questions. One thing that you can ask God to change in your life physically. And one thing you will do because of what you've heard today. Listen, I, I just want to share something personal with you real quick. I'm a person who suffers from anxiety, stress, and fear. But I've learned to manage my anxiety, my stress, and my fear. And I learned to do it by doing the very things that we've talked about today. This stuff is real. I said this at the start. If, if, if you seriously look to God to meet your needs, if you obey his instruction about rest, I, I try to take a day off every week. Shut it down for a day. Don't answer the text. Don't answer the the emails. Unless it's super urgent, there's one day a week, you won't get hold of me. Recharge my soul with beauty. Go to those places that you can just, ah, seek God for guidance. Don't go your way. Go his way. Trust him in the dark valleys. He is there. Even when you can't see him, you don't know it. He is there. Let him be your defender and expect him to finish what he began in you. I know God is at work in me and he is going to bring to completion that which he started in me. 
And then there's this, this practical. One thing I can ask God to change in my life physically. Well, most people, a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, I want to lose weight. But think about it from this stress perspective. For me, it's exercise. You know, I, I filmed this out at the lake. But that spot where I filmed it, I had to walk a mile and a half to get there. And the journey back, because it's a loop, is a little bit more than a mile and a half. So that's a three-mile walk this morning. And I, and I enjoy walking. It's one of the things that keeps me healthy. When, you, when I walk, I can think clear. I can pray to God. It helps relieve the stress. If, if you're going to be in fight or flight mode, if blood is surging to the muscles, use it up in a healthy way. So what is one thing that you, can, you want God to change in your life physically? Write it down and pray about it. Or pray first and ask Him what He wants to change. And then what thing will you do because of what you've heard today? What immediate step can you take to help relieve stress in your life today? Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are over all things and you have loved us with an everlasting love. And Father, your word tells us that we are created in your image. We are created to be like you. And you took six days to create all of creation. And on the seventh day you rested and then you command us to rest. So, Father, I pray for that person that might be sitting here today or listening online, who may be in the midst of anxiety and fear and stress. Maybe they've got a decision to make. Maybe things are not going well at work. Maybe stuff is going on in their family or with their health. Whatever it might be. Father, I pray that right now you would just reach down through their pain, through their anxiety, through their peace. Their fear, Father, touch them with the power of your Holy Spirit. Inspire them to what that thing is that you would change physically in their life. Show them, Father, what action step they can take today. And maybe that action step is just saying, I need you, Jesus. And if you need Jesus, you can just say this prayer. Jesus, I need you. I want you to forgive my sin. Come into my life and change me. I want to be yoked to you. I feel that's the safest place to be. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being with us. Pour out your blessing upon us, Father, so that we may be a blessing wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, just before you go, I want you to be faithful with your offering. We're not going to pass out the offering bucket. Uh, right beside the door there is a place you can put your, you put your offering in an envelope, drop it in there, or go online and click... Um, Go to our website and click give. Please be faithful with your offering. This week, in your small group, you're going to look at six reasons that your health matters to God. So make sure you're in your health group. And this week, we're going to start session two in the book. I'm sorry for the mess up, but we're going to be starting session two. If you've gone ahead, kind of slow down a bit, this week is session two. And stay connected. Didn't get a chance to do my midweek motivation this week, but it will be back up there next week. Hey, I love you all. Have a great weekend. See you next week. Bye-bye.